Hey guys, welcome to episode 146 of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Aaron Fitzgerald. Once again, guys, same old song. You know how this works. Uh, I've been wanting to podcast her for years, so I'm so glad it finally worked out. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, particularly those of you who, um, you know, like sort of getting your inspiration from the podcast and from the podcast guests. Uh, I can't think of a more inspiring guest than than Aaron in the conversation that, w- that we had. So I really, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I welcome you in. I want to get some shout outs out there. I want to thank Haley for her email. I want to thank Jenny and Jennifer A uh, for your emails. I want to thank uh, Jennifer A for your young young adult uh, book suggestion. I got to check it out. Karina, I want to give you a big, huge shout out all the way uh, so they can reach you in Brazil. Uh, I want to say a very uh, long reaching uh, shout out. Hello to George in Wellington, New Zealand. I hope we get a chance to say hi in person, George, when I'm there with the Thrilling Adventure Hour in May. Jalen, I want to thank you for your email and let you know that I am thinking about you and uh, I hope everything uh, works out okay with the family. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you guys too is that uh, the shirt that um, Nico and I designed for, uh, I should say she really did the bulk of the work, guys. That's It would be dishonest of me. I, you guys know I'm not an illustrator. Uh, the shirt that we created for headline shirts for the SF Sketchfest contest for uh, charity, this is going to be going towards the Art of Elysium, which is an astonishingly fantastic arts organization that works a lot with... Um, uh, kids and I guess also adults uh, in hospital, etc. Um, I do some volunteer work for them in person, and it just brings me an amazing, immense amount of joy. I'm so so appreciative of that organization. So again, that's the Art of Elysium. So proceeds are going to go to the Art of Elysium. Uh, the head uh, the shirt is on the Headline Shirts website. That's headlineshirts.net. It is extremely limited. Um, uh, they've taken it to twenty dollars. Um, it was twenty eight, and I was like, ah, you know what? Let's we should do. 20 um, to make it easier for you guys uh, because I also wanted to volunteer that if you buy one and you want me to sign it um, you can just send it to me and as long as you cover the shipping both ways I'm happy to autograph it for you uh, it's so worth it for for this money to go to the Art Elysium so that offer stands as well um, and uh, there's shipping information and stuff on my uh, my website JanetVarney.com so uh, without further ado that was a lot of information but um, hopefully you'll find it worthwhile and uh, I'm sure it would make a great gift for someone too if you want uh, that's it enjoy the episode and I will talk to you soon now entering Nerdist.com. interesting and fun yeah i love hearing that yeah i'm always surprised when people don't know what it is because to me it was such a huge part of being a kid i felt like it was you create your own fortune totally you're 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 setting your intention for your life and i wonder when i really think about it because i'm from canada how many times i must have written los angeles on my mash really just because it's one of the you know los angeles paris yeah and, and I wonder how many times I got it. Like, I don't remember right. what I ended up landing on, but I wonder if it ended up... I wonder. I and know. Now I want to go back, and I wish I had kept every single one of them. Right? 
So I could see. I do too. God, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, oh, if only, because I do keep a lot of stuff. I have still a lot of stuff. I'm, I throw away a ton um, of, and I'm not very sentimental about certain things, but like, I guess having journals and things like that feels yeah. like it's covering that, but yeah, there's yeah. no mash in my journals. So. Right, right. Oh man. Wow. Did you, were you into um, stuff like sort of uh, tarot cards and like, did you have a curiosity for sort of fortune telling stuff when you were a kid um, and like a teenager and stuff? I don't know if it was as a child. Like I was much more into native spirituality as a child uh, in grade four. I lived in Toronto for that year. And I remember we were doing Inuit studies because it's Canada. <laughs> and we also, were you getting... guys say grade four instead of fourth grade. Everybody, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Adjust to that. I know it's probably a tough difference. It, You're going to take really a while to catch up. You guys she does wrong. mean fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, we did. It, that was an amazing year. Actually, the, the grade four and five. I like Whatever. the way you guys say. Yeah, great boring part. Better. Um, we I got really heavy into native spirituality, uh, legends, tales of uh, fables, parables, as well as Greek. And so I remember really being intrigued with that. So I guess I've been studying all sorts of different philosophies and spiritualities since I was a kid. Definitely, mm-hmm. I didn't get into. I got into tarot. I wouldn't say I was ever into tarot specifically. I did get into runes. Oh, see, Deep I've into never. Runes. I've never. Yeah, it, even, runes were so yeah. much more fun for me. For for I just the way they broke down and the way that they. Um, it seemed a little bit less fortune telling and a lot more uh, kind of for me um, checking in with myself, my Listen, higher self. And then I it got to a get place more where on board for that. Um, I remember I would. At the same time that I had learned um, the mantra hue mm-hmm. and started using the hue, I was 24 when I discovered the hue. I started singing the hue every day. And, and that was taking me some wild places inwardly. I would travel inner worlds and have amazing dream experiences and um, experience love just walking around in a new way. And it was at the same time I had been doing runes for the, for a, the longest time. And it was such an amazing experience. I remember the day where I picked up the rune bag you know, I posed my question, and before I put my hand in, I knew what rune I would pull. Wow! And I kept doing it over oh and my over God, and that kind over of intuition again. And, and I thought that's what the hue was doing for me was that I didn't need the runes anymore to tell me because I was getting that information. Like that hue. Uh, was connecting me directly to source. So mm-hmm. I didn't need I didn't need to go through anything. I could yeah. get everything directly. Well, we got to get... I mean, I, I can't... Uh, many, many people who are listening to this do, do not know what the hue is, right, as I right. did not when I first right, met you a right. couple years ago. Right. Um, so if you don't mind, I would love for you to... Oh, uh, yeah. Because everyone's probably like, what is she talking about So right the now? hue is an ancient... Um, I'm going to say name for God. Uh, it was found, it's found in almost every religion. The Egyptians used to sing to, I think this, I don't remember if it was the Sphinx, but one of the major icons out there that it used to be called the Hue, and they would go and sing Hue, just Hue from midnight to 6 a.m. because they felt that it sparked their creativity. Um, Hallelujah used to be just Allah Hue, they oh. would sing, and it, and it turned in time into Allah. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. And it, so it's found everywhere. Like, and, uh, If you read any of Rumi's poetry, Jalaladin Jalala Rumi, uh-huh. he writes about the hue all in his poetry back way back when. So um, for me, um, it, it's <laughs> the guy I, I there was this guy I was working with. And I know I told you this story uh, a couple of years ago, but he was just 
always in a good mood. He was always um, happy and had a great sense of humor about him. And, and it wasn't one of those things where, you know, he's really, really perky at work and then just a dark person at home. Uh-huh. He was like that all the time. And I was working with him doing, you know, I was assistant stage managing. So backstage at a theater company. And you you know how stressful things are pre-show and, and when... And it's a professional theater. They get really, really like it's life and death. He never took anything too seriously. And um, that's so powerful. I, I that know. Personality is so powerful like, to and all it, of us. And I worked with him for two years before I finally asked him. I'm like, dude. And <sighs> I thought I was like, I, he was he was First Nations which in Canada is native or Indian here, mm-hmm. uh, but we call um, that First Nations in Canada. He was First Nations, so I, I went about right back to the First Nations spirituality that I connected with when I was eight. Um, that wasn't doing it for me, although it gave me a lot of love, but I wasn't how he was. And I'm like, Mm. I want to be like him. And so I was doing everything that I could see that he was doing. I was mimicking his behavior, but I still didn't have that, that lightness that I knew was in me. It was somewhere within me that I could be that light all the time, but I just didn't know how to access it. I had so much ego and mind stuff in the way. So I finally, after two years, turned to him and said, Tim, how do I be more like you? And he said, have you heard of the hue? I'm like, no, I've never heard of the hue. What is the hue? Whatever you're about to tell me sounds too simple for yeah, whatever it right? is I think is your secret. Right, exactly. So he, he made me close my eyes and he said, we're going to sing hue three times. And then he gave me kind of like my first spiritual exercise. He, he While I was singing hue, he said, just focus on me, who I was, not the body, but who I was with my eyes closed. And, and, I, and he made me imagine myself being as large as the universe is and then imagine myself being smaller than a speck of sand and that that was my real self, that my real self had no limitations and can do anything. He said, go and sing Hugh for two weeks. If you like it, come back and I'll give you more, which was so Mr. Miyagi, right? Yeah. Wax on, wax off. And I did. I went and I sang Hugh for two weeks and it was mind blowing because what happened when I started singing Hugh and I would sing it for 20 minutes every day, eyes closed, no wrong way to sing it. I could sing it to my favorite song. I could sing it. You know, I could spell it. I could do it in my, um, in, in my mind without saying it out loud. I could sing it out loud to the top of my lungs and I played with all of it. And I found for those two, and I'm never going to, I mean, I've been singing it now for 20 years and I n- still haven't forgotten those first two weeks mm-hmm. where coincidences started happening at a rate that shocked me. So I would have a coincidence and not even a minute later, a coincidence related to that coincidence. And my whole day would end up just being this amazing uh, synchronicity of coincidences that by the end of the first day, I no longer believed in coincidences. I, I realized that, okay, whatever this word is, is ridiculously powerful. And it seems to be aligning my universe then I remember, because I've, I was always carrying a lot of anger. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if I brought it into this life or not, but it, I was always carrying anger. And I remember walking down the street and for the first time, and I don't even remember how long, I could feel, this is going to sound so crazy, I could feel the love off the trees, off the plants coming at me that I had never paid attention to before. And the more important factor was all of a sudden I could, I had a love flowing out of me going to that, going to that consciousness. And that had, I never, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to give more love in my universe. And I wasn't giving, I was so locked up with anger and other 
mental things. And this huge just seemed to like be like a golden key that unlocked my heart. And all of a sudden, love, it, even if it was just a little bit, it was still flowing out. And then I read, and there's this book called The Seeker by a man named Phil Moramitsu. And uh, in in this book, he's he's he ended up at some temple in uh, the Tibetan Himalayan mountains. And a, and a spiritual master named Fubi Quantz was there. And uh, he was describing the hue to him. And he was describing it, you know, in Tibet, they had all the gompas and the monks would do mantras and they'd repeat it over and over. And he was saying, when you say I love you to the person you love, you wouldn't just do it in a monotone, repetitive manner because that doesn't express your love. When you sing hue, you can't do it in a repetitive manner. It is a love song to the creator of love. That nailed it for me mm. right there. It's a love song to the creator of love, whatever that means to you. There's no wrong way, but it needs to be sung with love. So when I sing it, I try to focus on something that evokes some love. And, and every day it's different because some days I'm really closed off. Mm. It can be as simple as like a really good croissant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my God, that croissant. Thank you to whoever made that croissant. Yeah. Or my, my, my puppy, my man, um, you know, having a clean house. I, I generally, it's something really simple for me. Uh, if a butterfly flies by the window, that can unlock me mm-hmm. from from that grip of my mind running through all the things I need to do. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that hue every day for 20 years has been probably the only reason I'm still here yeah. like and haven't done anything horrific and I'm not in jail for murdering someone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're thankful for the hue. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's really, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. So that's, that's what I, I love most yeah. in the universe. What, um, I think, I mean, first of all, I, I'm not, in any way dismissing or moving past that because something tells me it will be a very present part of the rest of what we talk about anyway. Um, what, and I wanted to say one other thing, which I, which popped into my head when you were talking about this idea of, uh, not being monotone and not sort of being a zombie about your connection with something. Mm -hmm. And the, all I could think was when you were saying like, it's always different is it's alive. Yeah. It's alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really what I thought. It's It's alive. alive. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, even if you don't walk away singing the hue, um, which you don't have to, which it depends on sort of, I guess, where, like, where you are in your life and maybe you have a hue of your own for whatever that means. It could be the word love. It could be anything that works for you. But I think, I think I, what I love about, um, so much of what what you just said and and what we talked about when we hung out uh, we were lucky enough to hang out a couple years ago yeah uh, is that idea of making that choice and I think I also really appreciate you saying you know it's not like now you're that guy who's just forever in the best mood ever that it's a tool I'm still not quite Tim yeah my goal in this lifetime is to become Tim yeah yeah (laughs) you know what I mean and so like to to think you know to hear all of that and and I think maybe for someone, especially if someone younger is, you know, sort of struggling through stuff and, and thinking like, 
oh, well, then she just unlocked it. And like now she's just like the Buddha all the time. It's like, no, this is still a still a tool and still something that you choose to use to. Yeah. And it's been to deal with the stuff that comes in. Exactly. And everybody uses tools all the time. It just so happens for me, this tool, I've never hit a plateau with it. I've never gotten bored with it. It is never not taken me to a new place whereas other tools that I have played around with I get tired of and then I let go completely this one it seems to be I I, I, I'm gosh I seem you know 18 years I've been singing it for 18 years but I feel like I, I'm just getting started with it. That's I feel like it, great all of those years have. were just to just, just get and used to it. And who doesn't want it? something yeah. like that? Who doesn't want to feel like they're just getting started to feel that yeah. passion about something and to feel that re- that sense of like it's turning over and over. It's on amazing. Itself, it's really it's good for always. healing too. I need to put that out there um, for people who are healing, whether it's um, from an em- emotional or mental a wound or a physical wound singing hue you don't direct it so you don't tell the hue or direct the hue on what to do because you don't actually know um, the hue itself is like its own consciousness and it understands uh, what's going on with you better than you do so you sing it with an open heart and let it giving it permission to heal what needs to be healed Oh, yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah. Um, so this is what I was going to say before I went, I launched right back Woo-hoo! into the hue again, uh, which is that if you don't mind, because of the age that you were when that was that's something that you discovered um, was pre adolescent or was not you know was post adolescent. I was definitely practically a teenager. I, <laughs> definitely. I would love to hear. So you, I know you lived in Toronto for a year when you were f- grades four or five. Mm. But what about before and after that? Where were you in high school, for example? Okay, so high school. I m- my most formative years i lived in ottawa okay ottawa ontario um i went to confederation high school which is no longer a high school in in barhaven and uh yeah that was Ottawa's kind of a neat town i I love to talk about it for a second yeah it's it's a it's a it's been said uh by someone close to me that it is a good starter city that it's like enough of a city that you sort of get a sense of a city you're not living in a tiny town yes and then you go to a bigger city and you're like oh Yes. Okay, like it Toronto. is a very government city. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. where the head of the government right. it's like DC yep. in Canada yeah. is Ottawa. So my dad it was a Canadian naval commander, so he was doing, you know, navy work at the you know the source. Sure, for for a for a number of years there. So, so yeah, I really loved it there. I had and a then great time. you're just right across the river from Quebec too, which I think yes, is kind of cool. Yes, I am. C'est pourquoi je québécois. Yeah, we would we would. Oh my god. Okay, so I think I was 14 um, when I had told my parents I was staying over at a girlfriend's house. You know, and we were all taking a trip to Hull, which is in Quebec, where the drinking age is way different in Quebec than it was where we were. And we had heard that in Hull, they didn't card. So they they wouldn't even ask. So I was 14 and I'm like, we're going to do this. I was very, very adventurous. And um, I remember, I don't even remember who I went with now. Like, that's the crazy like, thing. Like, did someone drive or did you guys take a train? I, I, no, we, w- we would have busted. Oh, okay. Because we had bus so passes cute. because yeah. of school. Yeah. Because they gave us a bus pass. Hilarious. So I know it took like a- three hours to get there. <laughs> I don't remember who I was with. If you remember, that would be great. Message me on Facebook because I don't <laughs> recall. I just remember um, being super nervous and afraid of getting busted <laughs> and going. And it was like, it was, it, it was 
I don't remember what time of day it was. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but it was dead. Like nobody Uh was in the clubs except for, you know, the hardcore people. So I remember getting into this club and being severely disappointed. (laughs) And I thought, I'm going to go dancing because I was a big dancer in my teens. A huge dancer. We used to have um, non-alcoholic dances for teens every weekend. There was one guy who named Party Arnie who would do non-alcoholic dances for teens. Now, all of my friends would drink before they showed up. Sure. I didn't like to drink, so I would be sober, and I would just dance my ass off for the whole night. And then there was another... Astrolite. That was what it's called. I, I went downtown Ottawa. You could go to the teen bar called Astrolite, and that was amazing. So this was breaking free of both Astrolite and Party uh-huh. Arnie. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go to Hull. And I remember uh-huh. sitting in this bar, this seedy bar. It was so seedy. It was just like you would see in a movie, like as seedy as seedy could right. be. And this dude, and I, I swear to God, this was a real thing that happened to me, and this man actually existed. He was, you know... Skinny with a mustache, Quebecois. Uh-huh. He had the you know, like beige button up shirt with like button down, so his chest hair and oh chains God. for real, Amazing. the chains hanging down. And I remember him coming over and asking to buy me a drink, or I, he was hitting on me, whatever. And I'm like, and I'm like, this dude knows <laughs> that I. I mean, when I was fourteen, I looked fourteen. Right, right. There was no. I did not Ooh, look like the so way a fourteen creepy. year old looks now. Right. Like, I mean, the fourteen year olds I know now look like they're twenty seven. Yeah. I'm like, no, I looked like a dork. Yeah. And. <laughs> I remember going, the, wow, this is not oh, for me. I don't no. think. I, he was, hey, do you want me to buy you a drink? Huh? Oh, huh? You, uh, you want something? Uh, pina colada? Oh, uh, no, and I'm like, I'm good. Do you want a, a little so girl good, drink? Yeah, it was so stupid. Oh, but God. it was so much fun and I did it. I never went back. Like, not until I was older. Yeah. And when I, when I was... But you guys didn't get in trouble? No. Yeah. Nobody ever knew. I don't even think my... Well, I've learned all the things that I didn't think my mother knew, she did know. Mm-hmm. Now I know she knew. Mm-hmm. She just never told me that she knew. Mm. She figured if she let on that she knew, then I would stop, you know, like I would go under, I'd go really stealth right. so she wouldn't know. Right. I thought I was getting away with a ton of stuff. My mom always, when I said I was staying overnight at a girl, my mom knew I wasn't staying overnight at a girl. So interesting. But I was sort of good at that quiet dance that parents, some parents and children do where there's so much that's going unsaid. So much. It's so interesting. And I really hated drinking. I hated drinking. I was not a fan of being drunk. I didn't, I always felt like my, I was trapped in my body. My body would be so drunk that I couldn't do anything. And my mind would be crystal clear inside of me going, what are you doing? You're, you look like an ass. You're behaving like an ass. And I hated that feeling. So um, my dad hooked me up and was like, just tell them you're allergic to alcohol. Like that's in a way you were in a way, but I had to go through this horrible experience first. I remember, I think it was 15. It was in Ottawa. Um, My girlfriend, she was one of those girls. Like I didn't care in high school who I hung out with. I would go from like the drama kids to the nerdy kids to there was like a group of smoker kid dance kids that would go dancing on the weekend. So those were the kids I liked because I would go dancing. There were friends that I knew from a little bit before. There there were it was just a, you know cheerleader. I could just go back and forth from group to group to group. And I did because I really liked learning about different personalities. Like that's the actress part, right? Sure, like sure. really getting to know different types of people. And uh, anyway, one of my 
my friends and she wasn't a close friend. She was more of a friend of one of my friends and she got invited to a party by all the football players, all the senior football players. Now I was in grade 10. So that's 10th grade. And and, yeah. And senior in, in (laughs) um, Ottawa is grade 13 because they have one extra grade after grade 12 so that it's like the year of preparation for university. So if you take grade 13 courses, it helps you when you go to university to somehow, I don't know. I never finished grade 13 because I moved to the West coast where they ended at grade 12. Mm. So these grade 13 dudes, so they're grown men as far as I'm concerned are doing this drinking party. And my girlfriend's invited and she's got a crush on one of them who literally was named Dick. Perfect. And that's what he was. Uh-huh. And I'm like, real. And the I was concerned everybody. for yeah. her. So I'm like, all right, all right, I'll go with you more than anything to just keep an eye on her. Well, having not very much experience with alcohol, because I didn't really like it. Um, they were giving me what that it was peach snops. Mm. So that was my first experience with the flavored liqueur uh-huh. that tastes <laughs> like candy. Yeah. So these older guys are feeding me peach schnapps and I'm drinking it because I like candy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is delicious. (laughs) And I, I was shit. Can I swear? I was totally shit faced, like beyond shit faced. He was being a dick to her. Um, She decides we're going to leave and go someplace. She, this chick, teenager, teenager, she had been, not texting because we didn't have cell phones, but she had been calling. She connected with some other guys, college guys. Mm-mm. And she's, and I, at this point, I'm three sheets to the wind. She's like, we're going to go meet these guys in a parking lot and go to their house. And I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and I, I, um, not like these, if I had been sober, there is no way in hell yeah. I would have gone with her. Like that is the dumb, like this is why they say you teenagers shouldn't drink. You make stupid choices. Here's my stupid choice. And I remember walking down this really, really long hill and having to pee really badly. And I'm like, I am be right back. And I go over to the tree and I pull down my pants. I lean against the tree and I was. And then I <laughs> put the pants back up. I'm like, I'm good to go. <laughs> then we go down to this freaking parking lot. The It's a fancy race car. College dudes, too college dudes we i get into these two strangers vehicle like the stupidest thing you could possibly do went to their house she's like yeah she just must have been so desperate for that attention or something i did not care as soon and this is how the universe takes care of me as soon as i got there i start puking my guts out (laughs) so i'm literally locked in the bathroom puking for hours it went on for hours i have no idea what happened for her i'm sure not much because i was loud in the bathroom and you can't quite make out with a dude knowing your girlfriend is retching yeah exactly so at some point they finally realize it's not going to get better so they put me in the car and he was such a dick too he was like don't puke in my car, man. Don't puke in my car. So I remember hanging out the window and I think I was puking out the window down the side and then I'm dropped off at home. Now this is where the story gets good. No. (laughs) So I walk into the house. I don't think I walked. I think I crawled into the house. Uh I got it. And and I'm thinking, I got away with everything. And my mother is standing right at the front door and she's like, Aaron. Oh, wait. No, no. For, I walk in the house and there's a bathroom to the left immediately. So I go in there to puke. And as I come out, I'm coming out 
and of course my my pants are off. I'm wearing my underwear. Perfect. I've just, I've, you know, that drunken perfect. Your legs. Yeah. I can't I want these clothes. Why do, I, yeah. why do we yeah. wear clothes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come up and my mom's standing there and she's like, did you have a good time tonight, Aaron? Oh yeah. I'm not and you drunk. you know you I'm not drunk. puke and, and schnapps. And I'm, I'm not, I'm good. Yeah, we, we had a very good time, mom. It oh, was, wow. uh, it was okay. Oh. I'm really tired. I think we're gonna go to bed. Oh God. My mom just steps back. Okay. And then I, I, I can't walk up the stairs. I'm four, oh, cr- no. on fours crawling up so the stairs. You know, thinking my mom hasn't caught on. She's too... <laughs> I really thought my mom was too stupid to oh, catch on God. that I was shit-faced. Amazing. And she, as I'm crawling up the stairs, she says, Aaron, what happened to your ass? I'm like, what? What? You have a scratch on your ass. And I said, oh, mom, it's just a little litchy. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> just a little litchy. Oh, no. I go to bed. <laughs> my father the next morning at six o'clock in the morning comes in with a plate of greasy food and starts yelling hey get up it's breakfast time i think because i never drank that much ever in <clears throat> right. my life i had never experienced a hangover i didn't know what i was in for my dad got the most out of the experience. Oh, he certainly, screaming did. at me very, very, and oh, and all of this happened the your night naval, before. Your naval commander, yes, dad. yes, yeah. And they were leaving town for the weekend. Like this was going to be the first weekend they leave me at home with my sister. This was what this I all happened the night before. Perfect they were leaving timing. me at home with the most responsibility ever. So my dad yells. He does the food, uh, and I'm like. No, and I go and I run and I throw up and I I'm obviously I'm like okay. You guys are on to me. Yeah. <laughs> you finally got around to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, you okay. guys. Okay. I'm busted. And I Amazing. look at my ass in the mirror. And from when I took a waz on the tree, I had scraped off oh, half of my oh, ass God. cheek. Oh, God. But I didn't God. feel it because I was of so course, drunk. Of course. And it was like a huge oh, scab no. over half of my ass cheek. Oh, no. It was the funniest thing that had oh, ever no. happened. And of course, the, the wheel, what I loved about my parents they didn't punish me. They should have, but they didn't punish me because they thought that the hangover and everything that I, they could see that I had, I wasn't that type of kid anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say is, you know, it's kind it's, I think it's great of you. It's big of you to say they should have punished you, but like, it's clear. Yeah. I got, you know I got what I'm saying that you, for, you know, and that you were, they, and that they did know who you were and they yeah. knew that. And like, if they knew you to be a different person, you would have been punished differently. I, I'm yeah, guessing. Possibly. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was, that was really cool because they did have to go away and I did stay with my sister, but I was so Oh my god, I felt so bad. I was like, "We're not doing anything, Kara. We're just staying here for the whole weekend." Yeah. And I and that's when my dad gave me the line: "If you don't want to drink, just tell them you're allergic to alcohol." I'm like, "Well, how do they know? Just tell them you puke blood." Wow. They don't know. Yeah, that line saved me for the rest of my teens. Interesting. I would tell people when they w- all that peer pressure and everyone and they w- it was peer pressure. People were serious about if you don't drink, then you can't hang with me. Mm. But because I had said I was allergic and I would throw up blood, people would just back off and not give me alcohol. The next time I went on an alcohol binge, as it were, where, where I, I gave in to the peer pressure, it was a good five years later and I was 19 living in Victoria, British Columbia. And a guy there, he was he really wanted to get with me really bad. So, um, you know, I, I had something – and I hated beer. I freaking hated beer 
like really hated it. But I had something in my glass and he kept refilling it. So I didn't notice how much I had one of those classic Mm -hmm. teenage moves. Mm -hmm. And of course, he didn't know that I didn't drink. Even though I said, I don't drink, I, I I will puke blood. I don't drink. I'm allergic to alcohol. and But there I was drinking anyway. Well, it didn't take long before the I started throwing up because my body wasn't used to it. Sure. My body was like, hell no. Reject, so his yeah. whole night was, I'm like, yeah, there you go, buddy. There you go. So, yeah, me and alcohol never, never really got along, which I think is a real blessing. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I had friends who it <clears throat> really got along well with. Right. And, and you know pregnancy as teenagers all yeah. that stuff would happen because yeah. you don't you're not making you're not making good decisions yeah. when you're liquored up you just not i didn't uh i yeah i don't know that if i can anyone can say that they can say what they want about booze but i'm not sure anyone's like i do do my best thinking when i'm drunk <laughs> <Right>. um <laughs> i, I want to meet that choices. person i want to meet that person how how much younger is your sister <clears throat> she's five years younger than me Okay. Yeah, and one of my favorite experiences when she was a teenager, she was 14. Mom and dad had been gone for the weekend, and I got home from university, and I swear to God, this is really... It's, I can see all... Now that we're having this conversation, I see <laughs> these beautiful cycles of life happening. So I open the door, and she's doing the crawl up the stairs on all fours. My wow. sister drunk is the funniest thing on the planet. There is nobody funnier drunk than my sister. Possibly you, but you just no, don't no, know. No, my sister, <laughs> my sister is so funny because her one-liner, like she just has... Hi, Aaron. I'm not drunk. Oh, by the way, a police brought me home. You're going to have to call the cops for me. What is turtle wax? (laughs) Do you wax turtles with it? And then she crawled over to the sink, opened it, got the bottle of turtle wax and waxed poetic about the turtle wax. While I called the police officer and I I, trying not to laugh. I was like, "Okay, officer, thank you so much for bringing her home. She will be punished. (sighs) I, I, I totally did the fake. You know, and but I got off the phone, and then I, she was the most entertaining she had ever been in my life up to that point because it was oh, that no. teenage angst of not yeah. wanting my little sister around. But oh my god, when she was drunk, she made me laugh. I mean, you really ended it was up so much serious fun. bonding. Yeah, that, so that was, was a good the moment. gift of her being yeah. shit faced, yeah, her ass drunk. It totally. Was. Oh my god, what? Um, so what? what you mentioned boys, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to go there because obviously boys. I think many, many, uh, many of us have been uh, male and female, gay, straight, have been um, easily influenced, you know, in those oh ways, or like that's the person, somebody that you have a huge crush on, or you're interested in, is the person who sort of gets you to cross certain lines. Yeah, could be drinking, or it could be booze, or it could be uh, drugs, or it could, or it could be sex, be or it be nothing. Yeah. Could just be not respecting yourself. Could be yes. And also, people mm. can bring out the best in you. You know, you can want to be a better person for that's for so the true. right person too. But what what was your experience in high school like with um, the opposite sex? It was awful. It was awful. Awful. Yeah. I did not do well with boys. Um, not that I didn't have boy. I, my first boyfriend, um, I think he only it lasted a week, and I think he only went with me because I liked him, and he hadn't had that experience before. Um, he did you say how old you were? I fifteen. I had to <clears> be okay, 15. sorry, I'm clearing my throat so much. Because I really crazy. didn't have boyfriends at all before. I had crushes like to dive, like my heart. Death. Oh, I was I know, so wanted right? a boyfriend so mm-hmm. badly. All I wanted in life was a boyfriend, and I couldn't get. And then this guy, and uh, he was black, and I was white. And I, I learned at the end of the week that he was very racist oh, no. <laughs> towards white people. That wasn't. It was really taught to him by his parents. But I was like, I can't be with you because you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> 
at least you have the presence yeah. of mind to but that was that. the best thing that ever happened to me because one of his best friends um became that year my best friend and is still my best friend to this wow. day and is like the person that uh i go he still lives in ottawa he's married with kids but he has been my best friend since that relationship isn't that something amazing like it was the best thing that ever happened the other other relationships were awful like i date a boy and they dump me because i wouldn't put out i was not okay my mother is a nurse so at the age of three or four she had given me that where babies come from book so i knew full well if the penis goes in the vagina a baby comes out. Mm-hmm. And in the book, it said two people who love each other very much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So all these boys coming at me, I'm like, I know you don't love me very much. And if you put that in here, it's going to equal baby. And I am not <laughs> going to be connected to you for the rest of my life because you want to put that in me. Listen to that maturity. You know, the maturity of not liking the way you felt when you were drunk, which is has so much to do with wanting to feel sort of that it like the permission to be out of control right Right. to not have that inclination to not feel like you need to sort of i mean a part of doing drinking and doing drugs like it doesn't being a teenager isn't any i don't know that it's any easier or harder than being adult it's just different yeah but uh, it is but for sure it's more intense it's well it's very intense so intense it's intense in in an immediate way in an immediate emotional way and so big surprise like someone hypersensitive like me was leaning on drugs and alcohol because I think oh, I couldn't court, handle being, it out. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. Hand, and I didn't see that at the time. I think I thought I was expanding those feelings. Right. But now I look back and I'm like, well, I think I was self-medicating because I was a wreck, you know. Well, but the, but I, for I, you I, not yeah. to need that, you know, for you to want to be connected to who you were and not feel out of control or not feel numb. Right. Um, I think that came with the fact that because my dad was in the Navy, I moved every two years of my life. <sighs> That was the saving grace. Uh, Every time I would, those behaviors like smoking or something would come up and I'd start doing it, my dad would get a posting. Hmm. And I, and it would be during that transition that I got, and I really would consciously think that I I get to be whoever I want going to the new city. Nobody knows who I am. I can be whoever I want to be. I can be the best me possible. If I want to change my fashion, no one's going to talk about it. If I want to become more of this type of a person, no one's going to notice. I think because of that freedom of getting to completely shed a previous identity and claim a new identity, part of the actress training as well. But I think that's what kept me away from drugs, alcohol, and smoking for for my teen years. Yeah, because I, so I had that freedom. Right out of, I had yeah. that freedom. I didn't have to <clears throat> dull it. I got to reinvent it. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's so, a blessing. So we're for but and did you spend? I know you left before grade thirteen, but did you spend nine, ten, eleven, twelve in one place? I did eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, and then grade. Did I do? Grade I think I did 11 and 12 in Victoria. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you moved to Victoria again, you said, as you yeah, said before. Yeah. And I, and I didn't connect. The people I connected, the people I would have gotten in trouble with were in Ottawa. Mm. That, that, that dark alley mm. that I was, I was kind of heading towards, um, cause I was making bad decisions because boys were asking me to do things. And, um, and I was, but it's still so interesting that you, that you crazy. put the brakes on well, yeah, for actual, pet- I wouldn't take my pants off <laughs> yeah. for anybody. Cause I was, I'm like, I'm like, look, if you even, if you, if you ejaculate and it gets close to it, how do I know that the sperm isn't going to find yeah. its way 
way to where it needs to, like, I didn't know for sure and I wasn't going to take any risks, but I was frisky. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was, I wanted to make I out. Love I love that word and I feel it's not used enough. I'm it's really like, just sitting oh, with and I loving frisky right so now. so frisky. <laughs> I was great. like, I was out of control with that. I mean, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't frigid. Uh You know, I was, I wanted to explore. I wanted to try things, but I, um, I didn't trust the teenage boy as far as I could throw them. They were all full of baloney. They were all just trying, and you could feel it. They were all just lying so they could get a little action. Mm. And there was sometimes where I was like, okay, I want a little action too. So I'm going to use you because I know you don't really like me. And and the proof would be, you know, two months into it, they dumped me so they could go um, sleep with someone else. No, no, they were already sleeping with someone else. (laughs) And then they dumped me during that process. And then, and then I... I'd love to play the victim, but I don't get to. There, there. Right when I, I was going to move when I was sixteen to Victoria, I knew I was getting posted, and I had gotten my first acting job as an extra for a TV series called Denim Blues in oh. Ottawa. <laughs> And guess who Wonderful. was starring in the series? Who's a big star now? Sandra Oh. Oh, wow. She there was an actress. I was an extra, Wonderful. so I didn't get to talk to her, uh-huh. really. But um, I was like one of those daily extras that came all the time. Mm-hmm. So I knew the director and mm-hmm. the crew and everybody like that. And one of the actors took a liking to me. And I can't remember his name now. And uh, he was a musical theater guy, but he was flirting with me hard. And I was in a relationship. I've been in a relationship for three months. And for me, that was like four years. Right, like, right. It was like, this guy hadn't cheated on me. This guy, he and how really old were loved you? me. Like, 16. 16. 16. So um, I, I knew I was moving. I knew I was going to have to break up with the guy anyway. And I wanted to go on a date with this TV dude. Why? Because I had stars in my eyes and I was catching the vapors and I just wanted to have the experience. It really came down to, I just want to see what this experience is like, but I didn't want to do it the wrong way. So I did break up with the current boyfriend knowing we're going to move anyway. And I did go out on a date with the TV guy who, oh, shock, surprise, wanted the exact same thing as everybody else. And I'm like, really? I'm a little disappointed that you're really going for the gold on the Mm -hmm. first date with Mm -hmm. a teen girl. Not cool. Um, How old was he? uh, He was a couple years older than me, so I think he was 19. He had to be 19. He was a TV dude. So um, I I remember being super disappointed and being like, I dumped my boyfriend for you. Oh, no. You're an idiot. And then the TV guy was chasing me after that because I really wasn't interested after he tried to go for the gold. I was like, you just didn't have any patience and all respect for you is lost. Yeah. And I remember, oh, this was one of those worst teenage moments. I was going to my girlfriend who was also an actress, her birthday party. She was having a big birthday party. She knew TV dude. She invited TV dude and my ex-boyfriend. Oh no. Oh no. So. Oh no. I'm at this party and all my friends are there, you know. And at that time, your friends are everything. Like, they were everything. It was such a small world. And I did not have the reputation of one of those girls. Like, I was not the girl that broke people's heart. Mm-hmm. I, I was the girl that got cheated on all the time. Right, right. I was that girl. Right. And here I was at this party. And TV dude is trying to, you know, like, hey, baby, let's go out. And I'm like, oh, no. And ex-boyfriend is like... Did you dump me for this asshole? I'm like, we're not together. We're not together. I'm totally not even with him. Yeah. But dude, TV dude just wouldn't, like, he just, the smarm just kept pouring from him. I'm like, oh my God. I remember getting on the bus with my bus pass, getting on the bus, sitting, and my ex-boyfriend 
and my other ex-boyfriend who did cheat on me with my ex-boyfriend like they're both standing there like you bitch and i'm like for real for real i'm that girl now yeah damn yeah but i got the experience (laughs) and i wanted the experience i wanted to be on the other side for a change i wanted to be the girl in control and decide this is what i get to do next the boys got to do it all the time right so i got to have that experience and then and then after that, I was really particular. I went back to being really particular. I just wouldn't date anybody. And I, after that, I kind of became a long-term relationship kind of girl. Yeah. Not to say that I don't, you know, between long-term relations, I wouldn't have flings. I, right. I, I have. Well, you're frisky. Exactly. <laughs> I, I get frisky. So, and that was fun and everything. But I knew what they were. I never, I knew what a fling felt like energetically. And I made those boundaries. And I was always very honest, straight up with flings. And long-term relationships one of the first things I learned when I in my early 20s was to set the tone with look you're gonna see whoever you want to see I'm gonna see whoever I want to see if we're gonna do this as a relationship you need to afford me the respect if there is somebody else you want to get with you tell me and be honest so I have the choice to either stay with you while you have that experience or move on and have my own experience right and i will afford you the same respect that because you can't control when when somebody else has feelings for for some that that chemistry thing is a weird thing yeah and you just don't know when that's going to happen so instead of pretending like it might never happen why not have a conversation well if this ever comes up what do we do about it right and i remember one dude i dated swore to me absolutely absolutely and he was heading back to australia where i knew a bunch of his ex-girlfriends were and i'm like look i'm letting you off the hook before you even go because i know there's no way you're not going to be sleeping with people while you're there there's just no way there it's impossible right. and he swore to me up and down no 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 and then he came back and he, he lied to my face and said he hadn't and i'm like this right here is why i'm going to break up with you right now because I don't care if you did or not. I knew you were going to. It's the fact that you can't be honest about it. Because it's that honesty. If you can't be honest with the person you're with, then that's not the person to be with. You can't be dishonest with each other. That's no basis for any relationship. I, I... even even friendships, like if I'm lying to a friend, then I need to check right. what am I doing in this relationship and why do I feel the need that I have to pretend to hide something from them that's not cool maybe i need to back off from this person for Mm -hmm. a while and reassess myself because Mm -hmm. i shouldn't be lying to them and if i don't feel comfortable being honest with them maybe they're not healthy for me right you know it's hard yeah those are i mean those are things that are so hard to do as a teenager because you're i mean i I was lucky because i got to change my social setting every couple of years for the people that are stuck in the same place with the same people for long periods of time, that right. just breaks my heart of like, because once you get trapped into something, it is so hard to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because even your perspective on be feeling lucky or saying that you're lucky, you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like there are people who feel very unlucky to have had to move every oh, couple of years. I don't know that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Because like I've had people <clears throat> on the podcast who were army kids or, you know. Right. Um, and, and, I think everyone that I've talked to, I mean, I don't have, 
I don't know that I'm drawn to depressed people being on the podcast. That's not really what I'm about. But um, so no one ever says like, you know, I wish that wouldn't have been the case. Right. But I think that whereas you expressed it just now as more of an opportunity, other people were like, this is a huge hurdle I had to overcome. Wow. Was this experience of saying goodbye and saying goodbye and saying goodbye and saying goodbye. So it is like part of it, I think, too, is is your your experience of it and your perspective on it. Um, And the other thing I was going to ask you is like how early in your life um, were you drawing? I mean, was it pre-Hugh too? Because I know for me, I've had, a, you know, I've had, I'll kind of get, I mean, guys, for those of you who listen for the comedy, I apologize for the cheesiness of this, but also I don't apologize at all. And you know that uh, <laughs> I don't apologize for the sincerity of it. These sort of rolling waves of like spiritual connectedness or like a, a, a sort of awakenings that are sort of mild. Some of them feel big. Some of them feel small. I can, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah. And and obviously Hugh being like the biggest for you, but you yeah. talked about, you know, some connections that you had. And I'm not just talking about like a specific way of thinking or somebody else's invention I think I think it's I came in with it I think a lot of people do and when I came in I mean I was born in with the curiosity like a seeker yeah Yeah. as exact that is the best wait is that the name of the book that you told me it is actually but 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 that's probably where I got it but that's exactly what it is is a seeker because I remember I lived in I was born in Victoria British Columbia up up island so in this very very I remember um we had a house and next to our house was a huge mansion and a huge property at the front of that property was a little um, trailer where their mother lived. She was in her 90s, Mrs. Proudfit. On the other side of that mansion was a huge cemetery. Hmm. Huge. And I remember at the age of three and four being, I could wander anywhere I wanted without my parents. And I remember wandering into the forest and I used to have conversations with the trees and the bugs and the birds and I used to eat all the berries and stuff. And I remember having a connection and I don't know if I called it God. I don't know what I called it. I just knew that I felt loved and I didn't have to have other people around to feel loved. I knew that I was incredibly creative and it was wild. I remember on one of my adventures at that age, at that really young age, but for me now, when I have the memory I don't remember the four-year-old body. I I remember it just as me. I understand. And I remember discovering this tiny little chapel and thinking, oh my gosh, I found a little house. And I opened the door and there was stained glass coming and nobody was in it. And it's like six six pews or whatever. And I remember walking in and going, I found a secret place. Sure. I found a secret place. Is there anything more exciting than that? Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know. And I asked, my parents didn't have any religion and didn't practice anything. So um, the person, the people across the street were Christians. And I used to ask if I could go to Sunday school with them. And my mom was like, yeah, sure you could go. And, um, I remember asking my dad, dad, why don't we go to church or synagogue or temple or anything? And he said, um, I don't believe anyone should tell you what to believe in, which was kind of the basis of my own belief system. Like I loved that my father gave me that freedom to figure it out for myself. So all the time growing up, if I found a friend who belonged, whose family belonged to a particular religion, I would go to their church or synagogue or temple. I wanted to know. I was like, well, how do you worship God? And, and, and I didn't, I never resonated with the word God growing up. I wasn't good with that word because it seemed to be abused a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I'm okay with it now. But at that time, I, I remember there were things I would connect with, with every single religion and that I, I loved. And I was like, 
guys are all saying the same thing. And I knew that at like an early age, I knew at eight years old that all religions were saying the same thing and that it was us making the separations. Right. That it's not, it wasn't necessarily a bunch of different gods. It was the same God to me in my imagination. And, and as we misinterpreted each other and what we decided we liked or disliked, we would make these ridiculous separations when it all boiled down to love. And almost all of them would say, God is love. And I'm like, so that means love is God. So maybe oh. God isn't a him and her. God, people maybe, really don't ever flip it like that. Right? Though. It seems like the simplest right. thing in the world. Love is God. Like, like, what if what if love is God? What if that's, what if? Just wonder about that. What yeah. if love is God? And what if God is a consciousness, state of consciousness? What if it's a, a being or whatever? What if it's, I love the poetic terms for it, um, the ocean of love and mercy. Mm. What if love is an ocean of love and mercy, and from that ocean of love and mercy, all life is created? What if? I don't know. I'm never going to know. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to be an expert on any of this at any time soon. But I love wondering about it. And I was wondering about it then and i love listening to people wonder about it and i love listening to people's spiritual experiences because a lot of them are the types of experiences where they don't share with other people because they don't want to get made fun of i'm the person you talk to because i am not going to make fun of you because i love hearing other people's out-of-body experiences experiences with lights and inner sounds experiences with um you know seeing uh ghosts or wayward spirits Experiences with energy, experiences with coincidences, uh, prophetic dreams, any sort of dream experience, flying in dreams. Out, I, I love all of that stuff. And there are in LA, there's a lot of these free places where you can go and, and just talk about your spiritual experiences. On Facebook, there's a, a page called Spiritual Experience Gatherings that just lists events around Los Angeles and Southern California that you can attend for free just so that you can share these experiences. And I'm getting that kind of stuff out there as much as possible because I'm I'm I seem to be attracting people who are having these experiences and I the sentence I hear the most is I've never shared this with anyone. Mm. And their life like that moment where your whole universe is cha- I keep hitting the mic, sorry. I'm it's a mic good. expert. <laughs> I'm really good at the mic. Let me Just, smack yeah. it some more. <laughs> that I I'm using my hands when I talk. Oh I'm God. very messy. I'm the king of that, so So it's it's been really I'm really enjoying I love and I, I think my story is not unique. I think a lot of people when at from their childhood on, whether they were born into a particular religion or not, I think a lot of people were seekers as children and somewhere along the line it made someone else uncomfortable and maybe they got you know told to put it in a box put it in a closet squish that little part down but I've never met a kid that I couldn't have a spiritual discussion with a deep spiritual discussion where I leave going holy smokes I had no idea yeah yeah. because they are close to it they are like they remember that source that whatever that is you know that kind of stuff my god I for those of you who listen to the podcast on a regular basis you know I am rarely speechless but uh, boy, you're driving this train, and I knew you would, and I've been ha- I've, I've wanted you on since we met, um, and we're in the same place at the same time. But I really, 
I just hardly have anything to add because I'm I'm so in love with everything that you're saying. I I just can't be more on board for it. And you don't know this podcast, no. But it is I know um, you. But there, are, this this stuff comes off a lot, and in in a way that doesn't surprise yeah, me. Knowing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in a way, I am a seeker. But in a way, this almost is like. I don't even know how to express this. Your your it, it feels like your episode could be sort of an epicenter, and from that, these little tendrils stretch out of these That's other cool. episodes that I've had with people where we sort of talk around it, or talk about it, mm-hmm. or talk about starting with one religion and sort of ending with none, or starting right. with none right. and ending with something. And and I love so that I'm very freedom. interested just the way you said in that, yeah. just that freedom, the yeah. freedom that we have in America. Yeah. To search freely. You know, other countries don't get to do that search. You have to pick one of the top three. Otherwise, you'll be in a sticky situation. But here you have the freedom to explore as yeah. much as you want. I love that. And I love, I just, I mean, I couldn't, you know, I clutched my chest when you said that you felt that perhaps, um, you know, people who are seekers uh, feel the discomfort of someone else. Um, and I think that the grand version of that is this sort of, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the sort of uh, smarter you are, a lot of people, the the smarter you are, the less okay it is for you to be any kind of spiritual. And I'm yeah. talking science spiritual. Oh, yeah. I'm talking Sagan spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the, that the sort of physics. the sort of like the sort of apex of uh, people who believe that the apex of our human evolution is to understand that there is no God, there's no meaning to anything mm-hmm. and life mm-hmm. is a cold, hard place and you mm-hmm. live it and then you die. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way. And I'm, I think that uh, I don't want to, I don't want to rip on the comedy community because I don't think that's even true anymore. And maybe it was never true, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was inappropriate to be a seeker in a comedy community yeah. because it's all about taking the piss. It's all about right. let's get through our pain by joking or let's not right. feel any pain because everything's silly and fun and there and where is the place for that that seeking and now i feel like and i think the podcast had a huge effect on me in my feeling about this is that i'm surrounded by funny intelligent great silly women who are in the comedy community who are also you know very spiritual so that has my my defensiveness about it has changed and evolved so much over the last few years um, but also feeling like, uh, God, what did I want to say? Uh, yeah. So sort of the, the, the idea of feeling like you're being tamped down yeah. by even a group of people that you respect yeah. and feeling like you can't do that. And then, um, you know what, there was one other thing that maybe will come back to me, but, but, uh, but I, I love the idea of that openness, um, and the fact that it can spill over into and anything. It doesn't have to be a Bible. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be anything other than this idea of um, feeling like you're a part of something bigger. And that's, you are that. like, get used to it. Yeah. You are a part of something <laughs> yeah. bigger. You yeah. are not an island. Like, yeah. sorry, Surprise. sorry, you're breathing in other people's air. Your, your yeah. atoms belong to something else once. We're stardust. Like all of that kind of stuff is... What you do today can affect someone else's life for the rest of their life. Like even if you boil it down to that simplicity, you don't even have to believe in God. You don't have to believe that we're connected. You don't have to have any of these beliefs. Of course you don't. That's the beauty of the freedom. You don't have to do anything that isn't right for you. But no... That beautiful, simple law of cause and effect is real. You smiling at someone when you're walking down the street and you don't know 
that they're about to commit suicide and that you smiling did something, opened something within them that maybe that day they chose not to. You don't know how deeply you affect the lives of others. None of us do. I think we would love ourselves more if we were aware of how our tiny actions can transform someone's life. We never get to find that out, at least not in while we're here. Right. <laughs> but I, I love that the simplicity of that. There's, um, there's this parable I love this parable. It's called The Giant Utensils of Heaven and Hell. And because I was not brought up Christian, I never really had, in, you know, heaven and hell really didn't have a particular meaning to me because I always thought, well, it could be heaven here or hell here where I am. But I love this parable, so I'm going to tell it because it's. I think this is, you don't have to be believe in God or anything to understand this story. So this guy, all right, he's at the end of his life. He croaks. He goes up, he, he's, he goes to see this huge judge. And this judge is the dude that every time somebody dies, you got to go in front of the judge. The judge looks at all the good things you did, all the crap things you did, and tries to balance your ledger, finds out whether you got to go directly to heaven or if you're going to go spend some time in hell. So he's going over the ledger. He's like, you did a lot of really good stuff in your life. Well, well done, well done. Oh, you know what? There's this big nugget right here. You never really paid for it. So you're going to have to do a little bit of time in hell. So we're going to send you to hell now. And dude is like, oh, man. Okay, all right, all right. So dude ends up in hell. Now, hell looks exactly like here, exactly like here. So he was really surprised because, you know, the fire, brimstone, everything. He was like, I thought it was supposed to be. Where's the horn guy in the red? But it was just, you know, just like kind of like earth, except everybody he saw was emaciated, skinny, dark circles under the eyes, and horrific uh, impression on their face. Just completely miserable. And everyone walked around like miserable zombies, just moaning and miserable. And he was like, oh, man, okay, okay. This is definitely not a place I want to stay. But I wonder why everybody is so miserable. Well, it's 6 o'clock every night. There would be this huge um, banquet call for dinner for all of hell. And it was this huge banquet table that would go from one end all the way to the other. And everybody would have their seat. On the banquet table was every kind of food imaginable. Everything. Everything you would ever dream of from pizza, salads, sushi. Like my imagination goes to all sorts of foods. like And foods that I could eat and never get fat. I'd be like, yeah. Oh, oh you know, for you to everything. not have ever listened to my podcast because that is the number one mash question you're going to get in oh, moments. Good. Oh, good, good, good. That's what perfect. a great teaser. Perfect. Continue. Perfect. So he's looking at all this food like, why is everybody miserable here? Look at all of this food. <laughs> <laughs> Until he realized that every single person, their utensils were six feet tall. And so when the dinner bell rang, all it was were these tiny emaciated people trying to feed themselves with these six foot utensils and they couldn't. So the food would drop and they would never get one morsel of delicious goodness into their mouth. And they were miserable. So dude was like this sucks this is hell it doesn't get worse than this right here this is the worst you can't nourish it you can't this is awful this is torture and you get to see all of all that's the worst the worst well finally yeah go ahead i just don't understand why people can't eat with their hands that's the rule. All right. It's all right, the rule. All right. You fair have enough, to fair enough, use fair the giant utensils. Enough, you have enough. to use the giant utensils. So then the, the ju- his time passed. The judge is like, all right, you're done with hell. You can go to heaven now. Thanks a lot. So dude pops over to heaven. 
looks exactly the same. Exactly. But everybody is rosy and glowing and oh, happy and skipping. And he was like, about this. what is going on here? What? This is exactly feeling. like hell. Dinner bell rings. Everybody sits at the table. The spread all the way down. Mm. Everybody has the six foot giant utensils. Exactly the same. When the bell rings, everybody takes their giant utensil and feeds someone across the table. Such a small shift. Everybody's helping to feed each other. Such a small shift. You don't have to believe in spirituality to understand the basis of the concept of that parable. Doing something for someone else because you want to from the kindness of your heart feels amazing. Doing something for someone else because you feel obligated feels like crap. How do we, on a daily basis, find within ourselves something that we can do for someone else that we really want to do? Not the stuff that you have to do that you feel obligated to do. Genuinely because in your heart you're like, you know what? I'm going to pay for this guy's coffee today. You know what? I'm going to open the door for this lady. You know what? I'm going to pay attention to what's going on around me and see if somebody needs help and I'm going to be there to help. You know what? I'm going to call my friend who I know is going through a hard time. All these tiny little things that we take for granted but if we, we put our attention on it every day, that, well, then we're doing the giant utensils. We're living in heaven. Because I don't know about you, but I know that when I'm, I know people don't like the word service, but when I'm giving service to someone else out of love, I feel better than I do when I book the biggest job. I feel like a million dollars because that love just flows. It just flows. And it seems like a floodgate that unleashes when you do something for someone that can never pay you back for what you did. There's... first of all, it takes, uh, there's a gift on both sides. The person who receives, who is open to receiving a gift like that is also giving a gift because to receive a giant gift like that means that you're giving the person giving it the opportunity to give on that big scale. That's a gift because to have that experience to give something to someone that they'll never have to pay back. There's no owing. There's no debt. There's just here, take this gift that feels amazing. And I know probably most of the people listening have done that at some point in their life or received that at some point in their life. It feels amazing. And and you know it's a really true unconditional gift when the person says pay it forward. Right. Which is another expression, by the way, that people don't necessarily like. Right, because it got co-opted by like a movie that wasn't it that did, great. but uh, but and yeah, but it, it's a it's a wonderful like this is so dumb, and I'm not patting myself on the back for this because it is so small, but just as a like gentle reminder to all of us, like this morning I had an audition. Whenever I'm at a meter, I just do the two hours. I'm not going to be there more than thirty minutes. Right. I just do the two hours. It's so dumb. Yeah, but like, but what it feels dumb. better than that but small thing where I'm like, I can listen. I'm gonna. Yes, I'm making this two hours. So whoever comes in after yes. me for those two hours is like, sweet, I don't have to pay for my meter. And like, how great so is it small, when, you get, when you get to the meter and it's already great. full? Absolutely. Like, you full. feel like you got a little gift from, from the who universe. knows who. Yeah, right. And there is no debt. And I don't know who that person is. And yes. they don't owe me anything. Totally anonymous. Like, you know what I mean? It's so small. But like... I mean, it really does feel pretty great. It does feel great because you know you're going to help make somebody's day better and yeah. you just don't know who it's going to be and you don't get to be in charge of who it is. Right. Exactly. That's another thing. That's a really a, good point. You've got to surrender to, I'm going to put out 
something that makes me feel good and I'm going to give it, I have no control mm. over whether or not somebody chooses to receive it. Mm, mm, so we mm. all have to practice receiving more. All of us. Because I think giving is a little bit easier for majority of people because we're we're kind of used to it. Because I, I believe humans are inherently good. Um, you know, yes, there are people who take and you can feel them a mile away and then you generally don't really give to the takers because they're going to take what they need anyway. But um, the, the people generally tend to give the receiving part. That means that you have to receive love. It's not even about what you're receiving in terms of material goods. It's always about receiving that love, that little piece of the universe saying to you, what if I love you? Mm. What if you let me love you today? Mm-hmm. What would that feel like? What if you just relaxed for this second and you let the love in? What if? And you don't have to believe it. You don't have to make it happen. But just wonder about that. What if today I opened up to receive the love that's waiting to come to me and for whatever reason I'm blocking it out? And it could be I'm too busy worrying. I'm too, I feel too scheduled. I need to get all this stuff done. I feel obligated. It could be as as severe as I don't feel I deserve it. I can't accept it. That's a big one. The worthy thing is a big one. Most people don't feel worthy of receiving. They don't feel that they've earned it. But the gift wouldn't be there if you didn't. Yeah. It wouldn't even be waiting in the wings if you didn't earn it. Yeah. And it's not going to come in without your permission. That's how the universe works. You have to give permission for those presents that are waiting to come in for you. That permission could be as easy as, I am open to receiving today all the gifts and blessings that I have been ignoring. It might be an amazing day. You might be overwhelmed. You know, I've had gifts where it was really hard for me to accept, really hard for me to accept because I wasn't, I wasn't open enough, but the gift was so big, I couldn't reject it. And I had to go through that space that very uncomfortable space of like I am now going to have to open up and receive this gift and that happens between me and my boyfriend all the time my boyfriend is always trying to find new ways to show me love to give me love and I suck at receiving it (laughs) suck at receiving it where I'm like I don't want that love it doesn't look like the it's not packaged the way I am comfortable with Mm. And and he'll do something silly like, you know, squeeze me and from behind me like, I'm like, no, I don't want it that way. I don't want this. And it reminds me of my cat. You know, like I would have I've had a cat where the cat was very particular about how it wanted to be loved. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just hug it and squeeze it. Right. So that's, this is the relationship. I'm hugging and squeezing you and the cat's like, fuck off. Yep. yep <laughs> and ran yep, away. Yep. I had to learn how the cat wanted to be loved and then give the love in that form that the cat could receive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, which was amazing for me where I'm like, oh, it isn't about me. <laughs> <It isn't> about, <laughs> what do you mean yeah. it's not about me? Why does it matter? Yeah. But and then you learn how to give and receive love. It's that beautiful dance of learning how to give and receive love with someone else. And, and that's... That's what I'm doing with my boyfriend and I'm I suck at it some days and I'm great at it other days like some days I'm amazing and I'm impressing myself I'm well, like yeah wow. <laughs> but like and just to go back to what we actually said to each other before we started uh recording and then I'm going to get into this mash with you because I'm very excited about Yay, it mash! is that you know that your intention moving forward in your life and every
every day is towards the positive and towards connectedness and towards connectivity is probably an actual word. But, um, but that's a huge difference. And so being able to acknowledge and forgive yourself for the things you suck at is part of the sort of larger scheme, if you will, of, you know, your, your very positive, beautiful intention. And so it makes it when you know that your, your long-term intention is is pure and is as and that you part of the intention yeah. is working towards that purity yeah. then i think you can be a lot easier on yourself about stuff and that's yeah. something that i struggle with too i like that i like the phrase um i i learned this in 12 step programs um this too shall pass yeah when i'm stuck in the yucky mucky bad neighborhood in my mind and it's a bad neighborhood like mm. some seriously dangerous people live in that neighborhood <laughs> in my mind i can always say this is going to pass right. this too shall pass this isn't forever this is only temporary so why don't i just try to and i use i use affirmations because if i make my mouth say it eventually eventually the rest of me follows right but my mouth has to say it and i don't necessarily have the rest of me attached to it at yeah, first, and but that's with, the only way for me to get out of that yeah. neighborhood. And when you're a young person, um, you know, the, one of the nice things about getting older is that you actually have experience behind you to show yeah. that this too that shall pass. Yeah. And when you're younger, I think it's really hard yet. to see that. But like, that's why kind of having that, that awareness that someone's been there before you and yes. that you can say this too shall pass. So if you're not a 12 step person, do that doesn't matter at all. This is just about like finding a thing for you that you can sort of live in while you wonder if it's going to pass because yeah. you know, as you, as you accumulate these experiences, you see that they do. And part, part of the really happy stuff passes and that can be really scary. Yeah. But to know that that's part of, you know, some sort of cycle that you're in and, um, Yay and, cycles, uh, they always end. Cycles. Although, you know, the good stuff ends too, but exactly. then everything ends. Everything comes to a beautiful, and then something new begins. Exactly. It always begins. That's Yay! What I'm saying. Let's get into some math. Let's match. Speaking Let's of match. cycles. <laughs> All right, listen, I already teased this out, so you know I got to say, okay. not only is it not fattening, it is a food that, uh, three different foods that, there are, it's actually good for you. I'm going to go ahead and say it's good for you. Three things that are terrible for you that you would love to have that you could have whenever you want. Snap of a finger could be as specific as this one cupcake from this oh, one I place. Know. Or it could, oh, she already knows. I okay, know. great. Yeah. Uh, so let's get three. Chocolate croissant. Wonderful. I'm oh right there God. with you. Oh my God, I miss those. It really does feel like it's like a special delivery from heaven. It kind of does. Yeah, it really does. Um, a large pepperoni pizza. Great. With extra cheese and extra pepperoni. Great. Oh, I miss that too. <laughs> and poutine. Uh, oh, good one. God, you really ran the gamut. I'm very proud of you. Great, Thank great, great. You. Uh, especially coming from somebody who lives so close to Quebec. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, next one is going to be um, three uh, places that are not real. So places from fiction from or, or a, a place you could never actually live but that does exist like in the clouds or under the ocean three vacation homes mm. that but it's not like hawaii do you know what i'm saying something more magical than that uh if i could live by underneath the ocean by the great barrier reef great. i would like to live there great. i feel like there might be some awesomeness Love happening it. there i and I kind of feel like I would also like to live in that area where Atlantis sank. Sure. Also under the water because I feel like there's an entire underground I know, city I of civilization I there. Definitely. So those two places for sure, for sure. And then it can also be like, another, you know, it could be like Hobbiton or, uh, you know, uh, I sometimes I say Dagobah, which I would, is really I would like, I, I would like, I don't, I don't know exactly which planet I would want to live, but I want to live, you know, 
in a land far away in the future that star wars place wherever yeah. star wars is the original three star wars like uh-huh. n- yep. not the planet that blew up what about where the ewoks are oh yeah let's I probably yeah, move to and, andor. 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 andor yeah let andor andor I'm is in. perfect i'm, I'm totally so straight up to your treehouse neighbor straight love up that your treehouse neighbor okay oh i would love that that would be awesome <laughs> okay great. that was perfect well, andor. We'll see. yeah we'll for see. the win uh <laughs> okay um next category is going to be um uh, three people uh living or dead uh from any time period any you know anything that um you have this magic ability to sort of psychically connect with and have these conversations with um whenever you want Rumi the poet from Persia perfect um this is hard choice only two more um I I would really love I I don't know why but just August Strindberg, I feel like Great. I would be a such better actor if I could just talk to him Great. for long periods of sure, time. Sure. I just love him. Love it. Oh, there's one more. I know. I know you'll think of eight more when you're in the car too. That's how this works. This, but that's the idea, right? Yeah. Is that it opens. Now you have this yeah. full day of thinking about things you love that will just keep floating to the surface of your brain I all through the day. I love that. Yeah. Um, Pythagoras. Ooh. Boy, I'm I have no idea if I spell that right. The the good thing is like know. a pen that's so thick that I can't even tell. Perfect. I'll know what it says without yes. knowing if I spelled it right. Yes. Um next one is uh three now this is pretty no, I'm gonna save it. Never mind. Uh this is listen. All due respect to your wonderful boyfriend. This is the game of MASH. Okay. <laughs> What comes along is built in with a game of mash okay. is three people that you have a sort of alternate universe romance with or a partnership companionship with or a hot sex fling with whatever Ooh. thing is most appealing to you about whatever person anybody from you know could be like young Jimmy Stewart could be current Johnny Depp could Ooh. be uh, Hugh Laurie that's Ooh. me um, uh, you know and it, again you can say like well I pick you know Jimmy Stewart because uh, in an alternate universe I married him with to him but like I would pick you know Sid Vicious because I just want to have sex with him one night like you can decide <gasps> oh I you like know, that. and then you'll end up with one of them okay 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 Jack Black great because he makes me laugh my ass off he's amazing <sighs> okay oh there's so many all of a sudden well you're a people person i do like i and i like boys i do <laughs> that's I lo- the best thoughtful mulling over i do it's hard do to like pick them. just just the one yeah. just one huh three well you get two well, more yeah two least. more okay um you know what maybe i'll do Let's come back to I'm, this. No, I'm willing okay. to do this. Okay. Three of these are alternate universe marriage. And then I'll give you three more that are like sexy times. Just like you don't get, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to spend your life with this dude, but no, like, okay, okay. let's get into it. Okay. You know what then I mean? in the, in the, so Jack Black, I'm going to put in which marriage? No. Yeah. I, mean, I would marriage. Yes. He would be my marriage Great. in an alternate life. I don't know if that helps you. I just, it totally you, does. Now I'm giving you fr- lovers It totally and does. Okay. Okay. Um, well, then you can put Idris Alba in marriage as Ugh, well. <laughs> let's get in there ASAP. God damn, he's wonderful. Oh, it's painful. And okay. um, also in marriage, put Pierce Brosnan in oh, in the in the eighties. Eighties Pierce Brosnan. This is not an eighties movie. It is one of my favorite movies. If you have not seen The Matador, 
please do yourself a favor and see The Matador. It is a wonderful movie. He is better than I've ever seen him in anything. Oh, I love it. It is such a great movie. The Matador, everybody. Just, just do it. It's funny. It's not like a, you know, heavy, deep. I mean, I guess Pierce Brosnan doesn't do that many things that are like gut wrenching. I love it. He is so good. In it. Anyway, okay. So you okay. got those. Okay, okay let's so get into sexy the other time. Thing. Yeah, um, sexy times. I, there's some people I don't want to name because that would. Be, we know them. Uh, okay, so we're going <laughs> to skip past those. We're skip past okay, those. okay. So we're going to go straight. Um, I, I think I, Channing Tatum. Sure. Like, sure, let's get him just in there. Just sexy time. Let's get him just, in there. Just him in the, the little mic stance. Sure, just sure. Like, <laughs> sure. Do that. It's a great choice. It's a great Dance, use of the man. category. Great use of the category. Very, very, very fan. I, I used to have uh, the biggest crush on Johnny Depp, but I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would. And it would just for sexy time, not for anything right. else. But I feel like. Mm-mm. Oh, Angelina Jolie for sexy time. Yeah, she's pretty No sexy. question. I would love yeah. that yeah definitely yeah um oh matt damon for sexy time boy that's tough man i i, I feel like i'd spend some serious hang time with him too yeah terrific. yeah uh, uh great 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 okay great wonderful okay next category is going to be um three uh uh skills three sort of yeah, three skills that you can wake up with tomorrow that you've sort of downloaded Matrix style. So you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm amazing at this, this, Kung and this. Kung Fu. Amazing. I'm so glad that that turned out to be the literal example. That would be amazing. Beautiful. I wish I was a sound engineer. Great. I wish I knew that. Like, Great. I wish I was like an, a master sound engineer. Great. Love it. I would be, that would yeah, be me amazing. Too. Me too. What else would I love to... Uh, there's... The universe. <laughs> um, I would love to speak every language. Right. Every language. Like Great. not just bilingual, yep. but like every freaking language and be like, oh, here, let me break down the Latin source of that. Great use of it. Great use of it. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, next one is going to be um, three movies that you can jump into and just be and hang out with those characters uh, whenever you want. It's almost like another vacation home in a sense. It's like, I'm going to pop yes. into this film mm-hmm. and like, this is a real world. These aren't actors. Yeah. All of this is real. Uh, original Great. Star Wars trilogy. Great. The movie Legend. Oh, Legend. And Love Actually. Oh, Love Actually. Ugh. Yeah. Great choices. What can Thanks. I say? The, okay, this is my final category. This is one I said I was going to oh, save. No. It's very abstract. I don't know okay. what I mean by okay. it. Okay. But I had the idea of it way early on in the podcast okay. I wanted to ask you, which is three gifts that you wish you could give everyone or maybe some individual person that for whatever reason – you can't do right now. Now, what I mean by that is it could be that you wish you could buy your mom a castle in Ireland. It could be that you wish that you could buy someone more time. It could be anything like that. I mean, I think part of the, the thing that you do is give the gift of your voice and the give the gift of right. your love and spirituality to the world. So right. I feel you're already doing that. Right. So I guess it's sort of like it can be as material based or as spiritual I, I based or you know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm free. with you. Um, I, I would love to be able to gift my sister financial freedom. Great. I would love my sister to be financially free to pursue her her dreams. Beautiful. Um, I would love to be able to send my parents to the masters. It's some sort of golf thing that mm-hmm, costs like mm-hmm. ten grand a ticket, mm-hmm. and that's all my dad would. Uh, you know, he wouldn't ask for much, but I'd love to be able to Great. afford t- to send them that. <sighs> 
I would love if this, this doesn't even feel possible, but I used to always have this dream of creating a school, um, a really open creative school that focused on creative arts and spirituality. Uh, and for some reason, it was on a mountain, you know, like I'm like, and, and that the best teachers in the world would come to this school oh, to teach it. children. Like it was this fantasy I had for years oh, and years. And, that, and the kids didn't have to pay to go. It, it would be, you know, it would be application only. And, and then we would hand choose um, and interview children that would fit with this love, love, love. creative, spiritual, minded in um yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful okay tell me when to stop okay i can't see what she's doing stop okay great okay uh i'm gonna pause this i'm gonna do my calculations okay i'm gonna come back with your 100 guaranteed match feature okay i am very delighted with the results i feel you will be too oh my goodness i was I'm nervous. It's great. I mean, you picked such great stuff. You can't go wrong. Okay. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your ability to send your parents to the masters. (gasps) Oh. I just got to get right into that I feel like that's possible. quite wonderful. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And now you put it out there. Yeah. Now you put it out there. Uh, I want to... Now, there there is a spillover. I guess I should have known this was going to (laughs) happen. Once you said both Endor and Star Wars as a possibility, of course, those two things merged and became one. So you have a vacation apartment. (gasps) Which makes sense because Endor, Endor is like you're living in the trees. Yeah, That's yeah. not a house. It's an, an apartment. apartment. So you got an apartment in Endor, but the Star Wars trilogy, you got it all. So you know you're in that universe, so you can live there and you can zip over oh to all God. the other planets. Oh my God, that's Tatooine, I believe, is yes. one of them. Uh, you can go to the cloud, the cloud planet where Lando... I feel like thing. I won the lottery. You did it. You did it. So that's pretty extraordinary. Oh my God. If you like that... Oh, and this also makes a lot of sense. You can speak every language. <gasps> So of when course you're crossing I could. I'm all the different planets. I know. It, it, it's amazing. I love um, it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my God, it makes uh, sense. Also, you uh, have this very amazing psychic connection with Strindberg. So uh, oh you're, gonna, you're connecting with your art in a deeper way on a regular basis, which wow. I think is fantastic. Now, this is the thing. Uh-oh. I mean, this is like, I don't even know which one to say first because uh, all three of them are my favorite thing ever. <laughs> And it all really feels like it makes sense. <laughs> Number one, you got Idris. <gasps> Number two, and I mean all due respect, I'm sorry to fetishize or uh, objectify both of these people, but the fact that you also got Angelina. Yes! Oh my God! Is the hottest. hottest. It is the hottest. Threesome. Ever. <laughs> I know. Now, let me just say that I can't think of anything better for you to enjoy after your threesome with those two and limitless amounts whenever you want. And it's good for you. Heaven's gift, the chocolate croissant. Yeah. I receive all of those I'm gonna gifts. Give you this. I never even. You know what I should do is I should give these to people more often. Oh, I am I'm so putting that, that on my. Away. Oh, yes, this is. You got your beautiful future, Aaron. Wow, you have been a phenomenal. Thanks guest. for having. I'm it's so good to so see happy. You. It's so good Thank to see you. Thank you for getting the excuse together. Oh so my that god, we can hang I know out. that's my favorite thing about the podcast. It works. It affords it affords this time together, and uh, I and it. I just can't say enough good things. 
Now, you are on Twitter at Aaron Fitzgerald. Yes. Uh, anything else that you want to tell people about where they can find you? I'm sure uh, there'll be people. Twitter, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Aaron Fitzbadass. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> My website is AaronFitzBadass.com. Great. It has all of everything that I've done there. I do. I, I work specifically uh, video games and cartoons. That's in some anime. So I'm in that universe. That's what I do for uh, my day job. So feel free to follow me there. If you want to talk spirituality and stuff, feel free to contact me on any of social media means. I'm happy to. Again, that um, for uh, Los Angeles, Southern California events, it's uh, a Facebook page called Spiritual Experience Gatherings if you want more on that it. kind and of stuff. And I will go ahead and say, too, you guys know I love hearing from you, and I love talking about spirituality, so I also welcome you to write me. You know my address, com, and I will loop Aaron in, and then the three of us oh, can that would be amazing into it. Yeah, we um, can. I adore you. I just think love you're you so too. magical and special. So great to see you. Guys, we'll talk to you next time on the podcast for Crane Out Loud. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.